Well, good morning, Renovation, and it is great to uh, at least to have some connect this week. Uh, I do know this, the Lord's arm is not short, so I know He reaches around the world and He reaches into your home, so we're excited again to be able to at least do this, uh, and so I know there was bets going on last week whether I would s- stay seated the whole time. Uh, somebody lost, somebody won. So I'm not even going to try this week. So we'll see how this goes. Hopefully I can stay within this confined area right here. So we're going to try that. Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. For which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Colossians 4, 6, and 7, as we said last week, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts. And minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, it's hard right now not to uh, let your mind, you kind of get in a habit of whether it's washing hands and you start looking at your hands going every time, you know, you start going, okay, now what do I put on my hands afterwards because they're looking so bad and I don't know if that happens to you, but there's other things you're watching a TV show and you're trying to not watch the news and you're watching a TV and show, show and all of a sudden it goes through your mind, oh, don't do that, don't hug. And it's kind of this weird going, okay, this, this whole thing's kind of messing with my head right now. And so hopefully that's not happening to you. I even was looking at corny things that I think of, like COVID. I look at that word and I thought, right in the middle of COVID is a V, right? And I know this is corny, so don't, don't run with it. But I started going, you know, a lot of times I, I do the chest bump and, and the peace. And I'm thinking, you know, right now there is peace in the middle of the COVID, There's victory in the middle of COVID. There is going to be that. I know that's corny. Don't run with that. Don't tweet it because I know it's corny and don't attribute it to me. However, we just look at things a little bit different right now. And I know even last week as I talked about all of us in the boat together, we're in the middle of this. We want to make sure we're not looking at things going, okay, is that a mirage as as the disciples did as they looked at Jesus coming across the water right before dawn. And I know that's not always the darkest time. I think there's other dark times in the middle of the night. But we do know this. Dawn is right before the sun rises. We know that. But even in the midst of that, the the, the disciples were fearful. And they were seeing something they thought that they really were not seeing. And because of that, they had this fear. And I think we have this tendency when things are dark to see things that, that are not maybe really there. I know my kids growing up, and maybe your kids too, when it's dark, even a jacket hanging over a chair may look like a monster <laughs> in the dark. In the daytime, you, don't, you walk by it, you never think about it. But at night, in the dark, it looks different. In our neighborhood, it's pretty dark at night. And when somebody knocks on our door at night that we're not expecting, it feels different than somebody knocking on the door in the middle of the day. Darkness has a way of changing things, has a way of throwing us off a little bit. Years ago, we were doing a uh, deal that we've called, you've heard us mention here at Renovation often, is uh, something called Ethos. 
And an ethos is a trip that we take teens on. They don't even really know where they're going when they get in the van the first day. And from day to day, they really don't know where they're going. And except really when we show up there. And they're trusting us that we will do what we can to teach them and to train them and to lead them. And one of the days we, we did many years ago is called walk in front. And you've heard that here often, the whole idea of walk in front. He who walks in front walks closest to death. And that is the concept that if you're the leader, you're out front, you're the most exposed, you're most vulnerable, as it would be, say, in a military type thing. But we took these kids, what I, what I loved about it, we took the students to uh, Mount Humphreys, we went to the uh, uh, snow bowl and we climbed Mount Humphreys up to the tree line and they took turns leading. So everybody had to, in their teams, they had about a team of five or six and they took turns, uh, t- turns leading. And as they went along, that allowed them to go at the pace of whatever that leader was. And sometimes it was frustrating. Sometimes that leader had to stop more often, but it caused them to have to work together as a team and encourage each other. We went through the day, we did a foot washing, we did cliff jumping. There was a lot of things we did that day that we would pack into a 24 hours, if you will, or maybe a little less than that, 18 hours. But that night we took the students, after that we'd already put them to bed, then we woke them all up again, we put them to bed about 10, woke them up, took them up to, and put them in the vans, took them up to Flagstaff. We were, we were camping at, at Oak Creek Canyon. We took them up to Flagstaff, uh, right out south of Flagstaff, just as you're getting back up on the rim. And we put them out there. And, we, and what we did was we put a tiki torch across a ravine. And across that ravine, it was, it was just kind of flickering. You could barely see it. And we put them in a team, of their, team that they were in of six of them, five or six. We gave them one paintball gun, put their paintball gear on, one paintball gun, one flashlight. And they had to go to the light and figure out how to cross the ravine and work as a team trying to get there. What we didn't tell them was that there were people out in the woods with paintball guns also shooting at them. And so it was an interesting thing. Now, they were not shooting. Let me back up a second. They were not shooting at them. They were shooting to scare them. But they didn't know that they were just shooting to scare them. But the point was, though, going through these trees was to stay focused on the light. And the light was just flickering. At times, you could barely see it. And because it was a flame, there were times you almost couldn't see it because it would kind of move back and forth. And you'd, but you had to stay focused. Because if you got too distracted, you'd get off track. Then you'd have to make up ground. But the whole time, we're just telling them, keep your eye on the light. Navigate the obstacles Keep your eye on the light. Work together. You're in this together. Keep your eye on the light. And it was pretty awesome to see how they worked together and they cheered each other on. But that is just kind of where we are right now, I think, is keeping our eyes on the light. We're in this thing together. We're going to have some obstacles. And there may be some sad days along the way. But we have to keep our eyes on the light. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. Found in John chapter 1. We're going to read 1 through 14. But John, I think, as I've shared with you many times, if I only had one book of the Bible that I could read, and I know it's probably unfair to even say this, John would be where I would want to start, where I recommend people, because John had an intimate relationship with Jesus that was, I don't know if it was unique, but the way he wrote about it at least was unique. Some people say that John, I think, liked to feel like he was Jesus, uh, that that he was Jesus' favorite, but I think the big thing was John had made Jesus his favorite. 
If you make Jesus your favorite, then everything else kind of works its way out. But John was loved by Jesus, of course, and he writes. And I love the way he starts it because he's trying to, he's no longer writing as the prophets wrote about something coming. He is writing about someone who has come, that he has experienced. And man, he's trying to figure out a way to get it across. So I want to read that and you can read along with me. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, though him, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and life was the light of all, light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Now the Jewish people, no question had been in darkness. They had not heard from God in 400 or so years. And I no doubt they had lost hope and and were in despair. And I lack of a better way to say they were in, in darkness. And I think for at times that we have a tendency to feel that way, that, that somehow or another the God, we, we, even for us, we, we believe in God, but somewhere now in the middle of our crisis, somehow or another in the middle of our storm or darkness, we haven't heard from him. We don't sense him. We don't sense his presence. And it's, it gets concerning, no doubt about it. And no doubt if you go 400 years, though, <clears throat> and when you don't hear from God, there is a dark place, and you begin to wonder. But John, again, is wanting to really emphasize to us, one, that Jesus is God, that he's, you know, he he and the Father are separate in this sense, that he is God. And, And he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And it's a reminder for us for Genesis 1 1. In the beginning, Jesus was there. So I want, uh, what I want you to hear a little bit today is this. Jesus was there when it all started. He was there before. He's going to be there in the present. And he's there in the future. But he is there in the beginning. And I think what John is trying to do is set this baseline is I think there are times, obviously people think that Jesus is a great teacher and there are some religions with, you know, great prophet and all those things. But John wanted to make sure there was a distinction here. And what I love, he said, the the word he's saying was with God. And the word with is, it's more than, hey, I was with, like you and I would say, I'm with a few people here in the room. We're, We're with each other. I'm with somebody in the car. With here means face to face. It means this 
this intimate relationship where there's, there's deep, deep longing and relationship. That's the reason why it's for us so hard right now, right? At least we have some technology to allow some of that face-to-face. But he was with him. There was a deep, intimate relationship. Jesus being the alpha. Jesus being the omega. Jesus being the, the great I am. That's him. He said, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And it seems like he's being redundant here, but I think it's almost like John's going, just in case you didn't understand it the first time, and it's almost like he's grabbing, and I said last week about sometimes grabbing my children's cheeks and, and just wanting to know how much I love them. I also have grabbed them before and just almost stopped them and just go, listen to me. I don't want you to miss this. I'm just like, and I think that's what John, kind of what I think of here, he's grabbing us by the cheeks here, and he's going, don't miss this. Everything hinges on this. Jesus is God. Some would say, show me God. I say, look at Jesus. Jesus says, I mean, John's words, recording Jesus' words to Philip in John 14, 9, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So if you want to know what Jesus, God's thinking, if you want to know what, what, what God's like, just you begin to study Jesus. And again, going back to, I'd recommend the book of John. Maybe if you've got a downtime, and a lot of people don't. A lot of people are busier right now. I've heard a lot of people going, well, everybody's at home. I look at all this downtime. And some people have that. And I realize some people have got more busyness uh, than they've ever had because everybody's at home. But I want to say this. If you have some downtime, you've never really studied the book of John, boy, I think it'd be a great thing to do right now. The word also, logos here, the word also, and I, I was, as I was studying this, it said the hearers there would have known this spoken word, but, it, it, but it's the word, I thought it was interesting. It's not only the spoken word, it's also the word that's also still in your mind. It's also an idea that was in your mind. I was thinking about, you know, the fact that the prophets had come and they had spoken about an idea about a Savior coming. They had spoken about this, but now he came in flesh. It was no longer just an idea. It, was a me- it wasn't just a message. We're sending you a message. No, it now was a messenger. And I love what John 1.14 in the message says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I think about that <clears throat> for renovation. <clears throat> renovation was an idea. Renovation, even though we didn't call it that, I know even like for us as a family, as we sat around campfires talking about if we were part of a church, what would that church, if we were going to start a church, what would be some things that would be going on there? It was just an idea. But seven years ago, that idea became flesh. It wasn't just a message. It wasn't just a, you know, it it, it became flesh and blood and moved into the Biltmore neighborhood. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. I wish there was some way I could capitalize life here for us because it's much more than human existence. The word zoe, and that's that real life, it's that genuine life, a life active and vigorous, vigorous, devoted to God. 
And when I think about what John is trying to tell us, because before I, I would say in any, many religions, somehow or another you have to attain, if you want to know God, you have to attain a certain, a certain place. You have, to, you have to scale through prayers or through work or through, or through uh, deeds in order to even try to make it there. And what's so awesome about this is that, is that if, if that was the case, it's almost like you're saying, God, if you want to reach God, he's almost like Mount Everest. You got, if, some people might reach it, and some people have Mount Everest, but most people would never reach that place. Most people would actually give out. They physically couldn't make it. But what's so awesome about what Jesus and what John's saying in these, his words here is he made it attainable. He came to us. The way came to us. And we begin to think about, for me, at least, and maybe you're sitting there, maybe you have friends, maybe you're listening for the first time. And you're thinking about the fact that I don't really know what all this means here. I don't, I don't really know this whole Jesus thing. And because of that, you, a lot of the things we're saying here, a lot of the things that are going on here, you're maybe because you're a good friend of someone's or you're connected to someone and you're willing to listen, but this all doesn't quite make sense. Been there. Been there. But I think if you're listening to this right now or you begin to, to, to somebody's ask you to start, you maybe connect in, I just want to encourage you right now to investigate this a little more. Because it's unusual uh, that when God begins to stir us that he doesn't have a next step. That he doesn't have another, if, if, if somehow or another there's something stirring in you to say, hey, there may be more to all this than just a good story. Maybe more to all this than just a man coming and living a life. He may be life. And as we stare around at this circumstance that's around us, and man, it is, it is crazy. There's no question about it. And you may be looking at that, and fear may be kind of overwhelming you a little bit. And you begin to go, now, how did fear in the middle of all this and this whole Jesus thing begin to kind of intersect at the same time? Even like the disciples in the boat we talked about last week. In the midst of the storm, they were mistaken that the very thing they thought was their demise was their Savior. Many years ago, I, I was, we had come home from a softball game probably 20 years ago. I lived in Chandler, and our kids were still really small, or at least small. I think they were like three or four, and then every three years up to 12 or 13, and came home from a softball game. Me and a couple other guys came home from a softball game, and I pulled into our driveway. I was driving the church van, and when I was at Crossroads, pulled into our, on our street there, and we got out, and I looked, and there was over across the street was a, a car on the other sidewalk. There was, had driven up on the sidewalk going the wrong direction, obviously on the wrong side of the road. Car still running, someone in the car, and I'm just like, and I told the two guys I was with, I said, you know, I need to kind of just, we were kind of trying to figure it out. So it was just directly in front of our house. And I, so I decided, well, I'll walk over there. And I walked over there and I, I looked in and there was a man, looked like he was passed out. I didn't know if he was ill or not, but passed out, car running in park. And he had the temperature at about 68 degrees, an old, big old, long uh, 
sedan that, he, that, that you know, huge car. And the problem I had with it, there was a lot of problems, but one of them was it was pointed directly because of the way our street turned. It was pointed directly at the front of my neighbor's house. So if he put it in park and took off and didn't know where he was going, he's, so I'm trying to figure out what to do. So the other guys left and I went in the house and told Jane and the kids and everybody freaked out. It was like a freak out going, oh my goodness, we got, what, what are we going to do with this? And, and like, well, okay. then I started kind of freaking out going, yeah, maybe it is a big concern. We've got, we got a passed out man out there in the front. He's got a car running. It's almost like a ticking time bomb in some ways. If he grabs it, he doesn't know what he's doing. There's huge concern. So we turned out all the lights in the house. Again, it was dark. I should have said that. It's dark. Turned out all the lights in the house, and we're just kind of watching. We're trying to figure out what to do. So I called 911. Seemed like the thing to do. So I did. Here in a little bit, shows up a police car, an ambulance, and a, a city of Chandler fire truck. I mean, it looked like a discotheque out in front of our house. There were lights going. There were all kinds of stuff happening. We're inside kind of cowered back, and we're trying to watch it. And, you know, we're watching the police, and, and the house is dark. And, and so everybody leaves. Police car leaves. Ambulance leaves. Fire truck leaves. And what we were watching, just so you know, they woke, they got the guy up. The guy was alive, got him out of the car. And so he's out there standing. I could see the guy standing there, so he's out there. Saw him turn the key off, and I saw him turn the engine off. Heard that, could hear that. But then they all leave. But they left the drunk guy, and he was drunk, and the car. So I'm like, okay, now we're kind of, and he's mad. You can see him hitting the top of his car. You can hear him cussing. He's mad. Now I'm thinking, now we have a mad drunk guy out in front of our house. Before we just didn't know, but now we have a mad drunk guy. Who? So I call the, the, the non-emergency line, and I call him. I go, so, so what happened here? He goes, yeah, they just took his keys so he couldn't drive. And so they just told him to just try to sleep it off. I said, I mean, you just left him at our house, in front of our house? I got four kids here who are freaked out. Yeah, they just decided to take the keys. I said, you couldn't take him home? No, they decided just to take the keys. So now he's out there. I hung up out there. There he's mad, and he's still hitting the car. And I'm like, now what? So the kids are freaking out. Now they're not going to go to sleep because they got a drunk madman out front. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to go out there. So I get out there, and I introduce myself and said, sir, looks like you're having some trouble tonight. He goes, yeah, somebody called me in, man. I'm just blankety blank blank. And I'm sitting there going, boy, that's too bad. And that, 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 that's too bad. Somebody, I can't believe somebody would do that. And he's just on to me. He's just ranting and raving. And I just said, uh, sir, could, could I give you a ride somewhere? He goes, well, sure, sure, I, I can do that. And he's just slurring all over the place. And I said, well, I, I said, where do you live? He said, I live on Foley Street. I said, well, I don't know where Foley Street is. And just so you know, those who are probably too young to know, we, there was a time in life where you couldn't just say something to Siri and know where to go to. <laughs> there was a time in life, if you didn't know where Foley Street was, you were in trouble. And, and so, and I had a cell phone, not very, hadn't had it very long. We're probably talking 20 years ago. And Jan had a cell phone in our house. And I said, well, okay. I said, let's do this. Let, let's get in the church van and let's go find Foley Street. I said, do you know how to get home? He goes, yeah, yeah, I know how. So he's complaining the whole time. He's complaining about, so we're driving around looking for Foley Street. He said, turn right here. And I'd turn. It wouldn't be Foley Street. 
Turn right there. No, it wouldn't be. He goes, I don't know. He's cussing. He's using Jesus' name over and over and over. And so he was telling me about his, he and his wife are having a lot of trouble and why he's drinking and all this kind of stuff. And he's going on and on. And I, but he can't, we can't find Foley Street. An hour later, we're still looking for Foley Street. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go in here at Circle K. And I know, I think they've got a city map. I'm going to see if I can find Foley Street. So I go inside and find a map. And as I'm inside, Jan calls my cell phone since it's an hour later. And he, hello? <laughs> and Jan goes, hello? Where's my husband? Freaked her out completely at that moment. And he goes, he's inside trying to find Foley Street. And, and so I finally found it on the map. And I thought, okay, I think I know where I'm going to take him. And I end up being in the right place. But I told him, I said, his name is Mike. I said, Mike, it's pretty funny tonight that you got so many troubles. And the name you keep saying tonight, because you use Jesus' name so many times. I said, it's amazing that the answer to all your problems is coming off the tip of your tongue. I said, you keep saying Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you today, he is the answer to your problems. He was the answer to your problems last month. He's answered your problems today. And if you come back and you're still doing all this, he'll still be the answer to your problems 10 years from now. He is the answer. It's just amazing that you've been saying the answer to your problems all night long. We pulled up in front of his house. And I had the privilege of leading Mike to the Lord. Two days later, I came back with his wife, led her to the Lord. But what started out seeming like a dark, scary place for us as a family was a place for me or us to step in as light. And so I think many times we look at situations in life, whether you are today just trying to figure all this out, this, this is all going on. Maybe this may be the thing that you see as your biggest catastrophe, maybe your biggest savior. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, has not, will not, cannot extinguish it. The light does a couple of things for us, friend. One, of course, light shine on, shines on our life. It convicts us that is true. And there's no question God begins to show us things that don't need to be there. There's no doubt about it. But I want to just encourage you today. And also that great light grants us the, the vision for the pathway to walk. It'll be a lamp in the midst of our troubles. I believe the light will reveal the loving face of God. Behind every seemingly insurmountable event in our lives. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not, cannot, will not overcome it. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds 
and glorify the Father in heaven. J.H. Jowett says, Jesus lit up sin and showed its true colors. He lit up sorrow and transfigured it. He lit up duty and gave it a new face. He lit up common work and glorified it. He lit up death and we could see through it. Be a see-thrower, huh? But above all else, he lit up God. And the people that sat in the darkness saw a great light. The light shines in the darkness. It shines on. The church has had many opportunities to be destroyed throughout history. There's no question about that. But darkness could not overcome it. I'm not sure there's ever been a darker day than on the cross. And we know death did not win. The purpose of the gospel of John is stated in the closing verses of chapter 20, verse 31. These are written that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and believing you may have life through his name, Zoe. John uses the word, it's hard, it depends on which translation, at least 35 times in the book of John, the word life. The word Zoe. He could not hammer it home enough. More than just existing, but thriving. See, John had experienced the new life. He wanted us to see this new life. He's trying to figure out ways to say it. And, 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 I, and I've said this before. I wish we could give a taste of what it's like. The only way we know is to, do, to live it out. And hopefully it'll be a fragrance and aroma. But I do believe this. When you give your life to Christ, you begin to see the world differently. I've said you see sunsets different. You see babies being born differently. You see all this differently because you see that there was a creator in the beginning, in the middle, and in the end. So you don't have to worry that he's somehow or another busy doing something else or he's forgotten you. He's still with you. I love the way that Er McManus talks about the church in this sense. In Romans 1.17, he says, says the righteous will live by faith. But he, he translates it this way, and I like this. He says, the righteous shall thrive in unpredictable change. Thrive. We're not called right now to step back and shrink into a corner. We are to be a people of hope, not of despair. We're to people who are awake, who are watchful. And I hope, friend, you believe as I believe that God's grace could bathe our hurting world with healing. I appreciate Vice President Pence ending all of his speeches and may God heal his land. The word became flesh. That's us now. To be the light in the darkness. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says, those who put their trust in the Lord, they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. 
Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And many of you who live here in the desert, if you're maybe somewhere else, you may not know, but here, if you're walking across the desert and it looks barren and all of a sudden you see green trees and you see that, you know there's life there, there's water there, you know there's a source. Let us be in a barren land right now. Let us be those trees who produce fruit in any season. There's a light where he once was, where we once were. There's a light where we are now. And there is a light where we are going. His name is Jesus. Friends, I realize this is unprecedented times for, for all of us that are alive today. Maybe there's been other times, obviously, in the history of the world it's been this crazy. But now, for us trying to know to be prayerful and watchful and thankful. And I just want to encourage you right now, be in the word. For instance, get the good news before you get the other news. Just be in the gospel. Be, be somewhere where right now you're getting that first. Because I think right now that would just be a, a, a source of peace to you. And to know in the middle of all this, even in the darkest times, where it may even seem like right now something else is happening. And there are some things happening that are, hard, that, are, that, 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 are, that are weighty, no question. I'm not making anything light of this. But in the midst of that, have hope. And as Josiah and Michelle sang, and it's the verse we closed with last week, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. We love you, friend. You're part of our family. It's hard to imagine us not getting to be together, but we are going to make it through this. And there will be a day of great celebration in this room together. God bless you, and go have an uncommon week. And, I, that's, and that says more than we've ever thought, right? But go have an uncommon week in his name. Blessings.